This episode is brought to you by New York-based Business Systems Consulting. Business Systems Consulting is a full-service information technology company serving small to large businesses in the greater New York City area, including parts of New Jersey and Connecticut. They've been developing quality custom IT solutions since 1995. Business Systems Consulting can implement your company's current IT professionals and step in and manage all aspects of your IT environment. No project is too small, too big, too simple, or too challenging. For more information, contact 631-909-8386. That's 631-909-8386. Or to schedule a free consultation, contact sales at B as in business, S as in systems, C as in consulting, NY.com. Welcome to Life's Tough. You can be tougher. I'm Dustin Planalt, your host. This is a show about life, and it's about purpose. It's about the people we meet along the way and sometimes sitting down and hearing their story. Our guest today is the CEO of Northwell Health, New York's largest health system, Michael Dowling. Michael achieved national recognition for his hospital's treatment of more COVID patients than any other in the country. And his leadership to an enterprise of 23 hospitals with 75,000 plus employees. But what is not well known is Michael's riveting, rags-to-riches immigrant journey. He grew up in a dilapidated home in Ireland with no running water, mud floors, and a thatched roof that collapsed when it rained. His childhood was affected by domestic abuse, poverty, depression, and alcoholism. Yet Michael was determined to succeed, and he believed in the power of education. He left home to attend university in Cork and then headed to New York, where he worked and still works today. Michael, welcome to the Life Stuff Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you for joining us. And I must say, you have quite the story, Michael, that before you were this super successful, awesome CEO, that you had this thing called a journey. You had a life along the way. Talk to us about where it began for you. Where did you start? Well, I grew up uh, in uh, in Southwest Ireland uh, in a very small, uh, you know, farming community. Now we did not have a farm ourselves. Uh, we were obviously one of the poorest members in the in, in the region, but it was a very picturesque area. Um, uh, you know, green fields, uh, etc. Very rural. I grew up near a local village, and the village was like a typical Irish village. In those days where you had obviously the church and you had to have a bar and you had a post office and a couple of homes in between, etc. And um, uh, there wasn't much going on, honestly, because uh, there was very, you know, very few people had cars, at least we did not. Uh, transport was basically by bicycle or walking. Uh, it was um, a, a beautiful area, but my family was... Um, uh, you know, at the lower echelon, uh, and it was a kind of a uh, an environment where you were, when you were poor, you were not necessarily treated well. 
And the farmers around me were people that I thought were pretty well off, even though when I look back at it now, even hindsight and given what I know, they weren't as well off as I thought they were. But relative to how I grew up, um, I thought that they were pretty rich. So I grew up there. I had five, uh, five of us in the family. I was the oldest. My father was um, a laborer, got severely uh, you know, disabled with arthritis at a relatively young age. And my mother was deaf. And we grew up in a house that had no electricity, running water, bathrooms, heat. It had mud walls, mud floor, thatch roof. And um, uh, I always had a dream to go to college. And I just wanted, I knew that there was something else out in the world beyond the environment that I grew up in. And I wanted to explore it eventually. So that was uh, just a little bit about how I started. So responsibility for you started at a young age, yet there are many people, I imagine, even in your organization, that they struggle with even having any responsibility. So talk to me about that. As a young boy, you were put into a situation where you knew that there was no quitting. You had to get it done. You had to find a way to support your tribe, or in this case, your family. Talk about that moment in your life. Well, I mean, poverty is a wonderful motivator. Uh, it, it, put things, it puts things in perspective. Uh, you, you realize that um, uh, even though things are tough, um, you know, we are tougher than the things. You're, in, you're, you're defined by how you react to crisis, in my view. And I was a person that always believed that you never let your circumstance limit your potential. My mother actually used to tell me that. Don't let your circumstance limit what you can do in the future. And so you adapt, you become resilient, you become tenacious. You grow up doing hard work. I started working when I was about 11 years old, but it was manual labor. And uh, I didn't think, quite honestly, back then, I didn't think it was that tough uh, because um, that's the way a lot of people grew up. Uh, But it does motivate. Uh, But I love learning. I love books. I love to read. And uh, once you get open up your mind to what's outside your local area, and you begin to think, well, maybe I can go there someday. Um, but, you you know, you be optimistic and you don't let your circumstance intimidate you. You move forward. You go ahead. Um, you know, you tackle it like you would tackle anything in a fight. This circumstance is not going to beat me. I'm going to win and I'm moving forward. So it sounds to me that for you, books were vital to your success. So Recently, I interviewed uh, rock and roll legend Gene Simmons, and he said to me, Dustin, before I was that superstar that people know today, I love to go to libraries and read books and read books and educate myself. So I'm hearing this again from, I'm going to call you a high-performance individual. Was this vital? And and why should be people be careful about what they put in? Well, my mother was somebody that loved to read. She didn't have a lot of formal education, but she loved to read, and we always had books around. And I read Shakespeare as a kid. I read the works of, of, of Churchill as a kid. I read uh, the books that I always remember was books by Zane Gray. He was an author who wrote Western books about the Western part of the United States. And he had this wonderful ability to write a book so he could paint the picture. So as I read the pages of the book, I could see Montana. You know, I could envision it. I could actually, and I've always tried to figure out how do you speak and t- so that people can actually visualize what you're talking about. So, um, and I would read all the time. I loved history. 
I love reading about the United States, about European history, about the Renaissance, etc. And um, that opens, um, you know, uh, reading is, to them, is the exercise of the mind. It's like what physical exercise is to the body. It exercises your mind. It begins you to think more broadly about your circumstances. And it opens up, it just opens doors. And then the question then for you is, if you see a door opening, are you going to walk through? My view is I'm going to go someplace. And uh, I had to do it also, going back to a question you asked me earlier, I also had to do it because my family was in very, very bad financial shape, very little material wealth, zero wealth, actually, materially. So I became the breadwinner for the family. So I had to leave and I went to England working. And I was the happiest of all. When I was working in a steel factory in England and I get a paycheck, I was the happiest guy in the world. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't complain about it. I didn't mind working $100 a week. I had a paycheck. I was able to send money home to my mother. So this was your why. I mean, many times I find that people are so frustrated in life that they that they aren't where they're supposed to be or they haven't gotten far along. They've allowed themselves to be volunteer victims where you had a why that I have a family to take care of or there are people that there are nonprofits that are on your heart, support them, that you should have something to look forward to to push you. There should be some accountability. Yeah, I'm not one uh, who, uh, you know, I don't like people who play victim, um, who basically say, Oh, I can't do this because of luck, what, what happened to me. And obviously all of these circumstances change you a little bit, but they should strengthen you, not weaken you. They should make you tougher. Um, uh, and if you can handle that circumstance, I don't think there are any limits to what you can do in the future when you get through that circumstance. Uh, my mother was a wonderful promoter of optimism. You know, you can succeed, you will succeed. Um, this is tough right now, but it'll toughen you up. And um, so uh, I was very motivated to do something with my life and to help out at home. I didn't know where it was going to take me. I had no idea what I might end up doing, but I knew one thing. It was I was not going to continue doing what I was doing when I lived in that community back in West Limerick in Southern Ireland. I, I was going to get out of there at some point. So it sounds like activity creates activity, that if you're creating good activity around you, that it will create activity in itself. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I remember the first time I came to New York, I walked uh, through the streets of New York and I looked around and I'm thinking, oh my God, what a wonderful place. Look at what's possible. Uh, and anytime you stop doing anything, it leads to a lot of other things. So, uh, you, you, you take an endeavor that you're engaged in and it uh, opens up other doors for you. Uh, it opens up other relations for you. Uh, it, uh, it opens up the possibilities for you. And I remember, you know, my days in New York at the beginning thinking, oh, what a wonderful place. There's nothing that can stop you here. If you're willing to work hard, uh, don't complain. Uh, take on whatever is thrown at you with an attitude that no matter what it is, I'm going to beat it. I am not going to let it depress me. I'm not going to let it intimidate me. I'm going to learn from it because every activity you're engaged in is a learning experience. If you learn from it, it's not it's not failure because every failure is a learning experience. So you got to learn when you're going to be successful. If you want to be successful, you're going to go through multiple failures. But you learn from the failure 
And that's how you, how you build success. Now, it also appears to be that you have worked on your communication skills. I mean, you were born into, some would say, a very subpar condition, which I, I grew up in one myself. I, I lost my dad at a young age and my mother at a young age. And I would say, I know nothing else. I you, don't feel bad. That's all I knew that to me, that became my fuel. But in terms of communication, now you're at this level that you're dealing with lots of dynamic personalities, lots of unique people that out of your mouth and when you speak is what people will learn about you. And therefore they will either respect you, love you or fear you. And I think that those are, are kind of three areas. How have you been able to do it? How did you navigate throughout your career through many times I will, my words, not yours, shark infested waters, because I interview lots of high performance CEOs from around the world who they too, this is their struggle. What's been your guide as a captain? Cause captains are made on rough seas and you obviously have made it on the rough seas. Well, I think, uh, is have confidence in yourself. Um, be comfortable with ambiguity. Um, be comfortable with uh, and be comfortable with adaptability, be able to change. Um, I, I was very fortunate uh, in uh, elementary school in Ireland where you were forced to stand up and communicate in front of the class on an ongoing basis. You were forced to talk in front of the class publicly. So um, I also, by the way, of course, kissed the blondie stone. So um, that also have, actually, I'm sure, helps a little bit. But, um, you know, you have all of these competing things around you all the time. And what you're trying to find out is the middle ground, how you, how you react to the different things that impact you, and how you keep your balance, yeah? manage your balance, stay focused on what you want to do, uh, stay, stay com be comfortable with your value system, don't compromise your values, have a lot of integrity, and build trust. I mean, for me, is if I shake your hand and tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow through. I don't need a legal document. I'm going to commit uh, you know, and have integrity. So and your I think word is your word. That when you give your word as a, I'll say in this case, because we're both men, when you give your word as a man, and, and if there was a lady here, I would say, as you give your word as a lady, that you should keep your word, that your word should still mean something because your ancestors, much like mine, they were not of the ability to write that's not how they communicated. It was, they looked at you and said, we got a deal. You got my back. Yeah. We're in this together, right? There is no quitting. We're in this together. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, have a level of decency about you. It's all about uh, understanding other people as well. I love to learn more about other people that I deal with. I love to learn where they come from, what their circumstances, what their history is, so that I can understand where they're coming from, not only where I'm coming from, but from where they're coming from. And you can manage people better that way when you get to know them. It's, um, you know, this is why I get a little bit perturbed these days when people overemphasize texting and emails. Um, I, I strongly urge people, just sit down with the person face to face, understand where they're coming from, understand their personalities, their characteristics, and relate. Face-to-face, uh, -face. don't shy away from it, embrace it, and then it makes you very, very comfortable in how to deal with uh, all of the circumstances you're going to have to deal with. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, life is, um, uh, you know, is just managing those, those situations. You know, you are a historian, and I think that history has taught us time and time again that 
Heavy is the head that wears the crown. That with COVID and what has happened around the world, that never has this crown been any heavier on somebody in leadership, specifically someone of your at your level and responsibility of CEO of a major hospital network, hospital system. What's this been like for you? I mean, I imagine you're out working everybody else. You, you have to because you never get to turn it off. You, you never get to say, okay, no more worry now. What's this been like? Uh, you know, um, uh, it's, we, we have actually seen 167,000 COVID patients since it began. We wow. were at the epicenter. And it's been seven days a week, every day. But has it been tough? Not really. Uh, I don't look at it that way. We had a job to do. We were hit with by an enemy, a virus that we couldn't see, touch, or smell. And you have to fight it. You have to win. Uh, you're at war. So you commit yourself to that. And so does it mean long hours? Does it mean making some difficult decisions? Yes, but tough relative to what? Tough relative to the people in Ethiopia right now that are trying to figure out how to avoid debt because of civil war. Tough relative to the people in Saudi and Afghanistan that don't have any place to go and have no homes. Tough relative to the Irish who came here in the 1850s and 60s and spent four months in coffin ships coming from Ireland to America as immigrants because of the famine. That was tough. Is this tough? Difficult, yeah. Tough. It's all relative. It's your perspective. Well said. Uh, it is about perspective because... Like you, as a journalist, I'd like to learn about my family because to me, I'm the heir, right? I'm the heir yep. to his story or history. I'm the heir yep. to her story. That we're the heirs to our ancestors and know this, they were tougher than you. They were much tougher than you. And they underwent plagues that nearly wiped out all of Europe. They went through those moments and said, we will continue to survive through this. It is this mentality that says, we wish it wasn't here. We wish we can change it, but we can't. What we know is what we do next that matters, especially for the next generation. So talk to those out there right now that have kids, those that are being impacted. I call it my kids, Michael, the, the COVID generation. Talk to them because they have been under so much childhood trauma for the past year. Adults telling them, if you go outside, you're going to die. If you touch your friend, a family member, you're going to get sick. How do we guide them? You know, well, I think that we often do, uh, we don't do people a favor sometimes in telling them how difficult it is and how hard it's going to be and you're going to have this problem if you do this or that. And I know it's been very, very difficult for an awful lot of kids, but let's think about how fortunate they are. Uh, now, obviously, you've got people in, the, in, in our communities that are in dire poverty and distress, but an awful lot of people, they have to be at home. They're not going to school. There are issues related to that. I'm not trying to minimize it, but they've been in... They've been at home, you know, watching television. Um, they're in nice, warm homes during when it's cold. Um, uh, I, I would say that uh, this is a circumstance that if you look at it the right way, you will learn from it. Uh, it will also, you know, COVID demonstrated our fragility, that no matter how strong we are, it can bring you down pretty quickly. But, but again, you react to it in a positive way. So I would say to them, um, uh, you know, it will be over. It's a year. And in, in, in the lifespan, it's a relatively short period of time. 
another couple of months, it will probably be over and we'll be going back to level of some kind of a new normal. But don't, uh, don't sit around whining about how bad everything is. You know, stand up and say, yeah, there are some difficulties. We're going to get over it. We will survive. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, if there are issues that pertain to it, behavioral health issues and others, we've got to deal with it. But overall, I would say, um, again, relative to what other people across the world are currently suffering, I, I, I wouldn't want to overemphasize the, the, the severity of this at all. You know, here's what I'm hearing about your hospital and your tribe. And these are the people there, right there, the hospital system is that there was this mindset going in from day one. There was no quitting. There was no retreat. There was no white flag. There was no treaty. You would prevail. That all it takes is all you got. And it sounds to me that is what your team has given. They've given all they were capable of. Yes. I mean, healthcare workers are a special breed of people because what we deal with each and every day is this crisis and disaster and ill health and death and survivability and 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 and, and helping people. So uh, the frontline workers, the people who are out there every day, um, their commitment and their dedication and courage was absolutely extraordinary. Uh, but right from day one, um, we made it very, very clear that this was not going to take us down. Um, we are stronger than the problem. We are stronger than the virus. We will win. And, uh, you know, we have a statement around Northwell um, that says we're made for this. So we're made for this. We're tougher than the problem that we're dealing with. And we and it, the problem with the pandemic is that it's going to be with you for a whole year. It is with us for a whole year. Uh, but we're, we will last, we will outlast it. And uh, that's how I look at life in general. Don't complain to me about what's happening. Your true character is displayed with how you react to it. You'll react to it in a positive, optimistic way. Uh, and optimism is a very, is, is, you know, the attitude is important. Optimism is important. Well, we will beat this thing. And we will look back on it a couple of years from now and say, remember, in November 2020, we fought a pandemic and we won. I mean, we did something that most people in our generation never have had to do before, but we survived. We saved tens and hundreds of thousands of lives. And we came out of it, in my view, stronger than we went into it. Life's tough. Michael Dowling is tougher. Thank you again for sharing your story, Michael, on the Lifestyle Podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you again, Michael, for sharing your story. May there always be work for your hands to do. May your purse always hold a coin or two. May the sun always shine on your window pane. May a rainbow be certain to follow up rain. May the hand of a friend always be near you. May God fill your heart with gladness to cheer you. That's an Irish blessing. Life's tough. You can be tougher. See you again next time, everyone.